0: This is Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. Paranormally Speaking, I'll say it slower. Neil Parks, you know the name, you know the game. I've said it a thousand times. If you need to know exactly who I am and what I do again, listen to earlier episodes because I'm not about to brag about myself this week. Again. So this week's episode is about doomsday cults, end-time soothsayers, groups like QAnon, Uh, The American Nazi Party, which used to be the GOP, but now the GOP has been completely infiltrated from within, and a bunch of lunatics are running it. The only good one left, really, is uh, Mitt Romney, since uh, uh, John McCain passed away, unfortunately. His wife's still in the game, so she's one that has her head screwed on straight. But hell, in the 30s, the platforms were completely switched between the Republicans and the Democrats. With the switching of the political platforms between Republicans and Democrats, it was in the 1800s where the Republicans were actually fighting the good fight. They were the abolitionists. They were the ones trying to end slavery that brought an end to slavery. And they were also the ones who were fighting for the little guy. And the Democrats were the racist ones, the ones that. What have been against socialism today or socialized programs, socialistic democracy, Uh, not Ecuadorian socialism, that is a completely different animal. But I'm talking about what we have today, democratic socialism, which is not socialism without checks and balances. It is social programs. It is policies and procedures set up to even the playing field so people aren't starving in the streets. And it was in the late 1800s that the Democratic Party were the ones that founded the KKK. And then in the 1930s, with the New Deal by President Roosevelt, changing the playing field, everything switched. The Republicans that were once fighting for the little man, fighting the good fight, for what was morally right, all of a sudden went the opposite direction and started endorsing with and aligning with the KKK and creating stronger rules of segregation, Jim Crow laws, name it. The Democrats then became the ones that were fighting for social programs, were referred to as socialists, were referred to as radicals. And the Republicans went in a completely different direction. And that's what brings us to today, this day and age. The Republican Party has become a cult of imbeciles and lunatics and morally depraved, rich, soulless ghouls. And the Democrats, they're at least freaking trying. They may not be perfect, but they are trying to do what's right to make sure that people get a living wage, that unions still exist to protect the rights of workers, that libraries are still free, public education is still free, highways are still taken care of, bridges are still repaired, that Meals on Wheels exists, that there's some form of health care out there that is a safety net for those falling through the cracks, that welfare programs exist for single mothers and those who truly need it. And yes, there are people that are ripping the system. There are people... That are faking injuries, faking poverty, showing up when there's free meal handouts and getting a free meal even if they don't truly need it or are poor enough to to morally accept it. But you can't hold someone who's truly poor and downtrodden accountable for the sins of others. So those assholes that are reaping the benefits of the system and milking it for all it's worth... The policies and procedures set in place are not strict enough to prosecute these people. They fall through the cracks. They get away with it. They keep pulling the strings. They get away with it. And the people in charge just turn a blind eye to it and do it as a write-off at the end of the year. And the problem is, at the end of the year, the average American pays about... Anywhere from 80 to $800 a year, at the most, the average American, based on your tax bracket, for the working class. 80 to $800 a year for social programs, to repair our highways, for food stamps, for Medicaid. But corporations are working with politicians to violently rape us in taxes every year. For their corporate cushion, welfare bailouts. Anywhere from $6,000 a year on up to 150000 Taxpayer money from us going to them. And they're the ones that are effing the system up. That are milking all of us for what we're worth. But they've managed to create a foreign enemy. And that is the enemy of poverty or the person who is poor. And they've put a target on their head. They've made us hate them and despise them instead of those that are truly pulling the strings and making these things happen. And it just blows my mind that as a taxpayer, I said we pay roughly $80 to $8,000 a year for food stamps and social programs that help the unemployed, the poor, and the downtrodden. But as taxpayers, we also pay roughly $6,000 to 150000 at the most that I know of, that I've seen according to the numbers and stats and census. That much money to corporate welfare for bailouts and cushioning. Ironically, average American taxpayers have decided to blame the poor, the minority, and the immigrant for all of their problems instead of holding the super wealthy and corrupt power players and politicians accountable for pulling all of these strings. President Lyndon B. Johnson once said, if you could convince the lowest white man he's better than the best colored man, he won't notice you're picking his pocket. Hell, give him somebody to look down on and he'll empty his pockets for you. These are the people who are in charge of our nation. And they have created all of these little side scuffles to detract our attention and for us to focus on and fight with each other, not against the true enemy, the enemy of corruption, the enemy of gluttony, the enemy of greed, but to fight with amongst ourselves, within ourselves. And that's getting us nowhere except further apart. I'm Neil Parks. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. I don't even understand what happened to the Republican Party. I was a Republican until the age of 24. I was raised in the Republican House, and the ideals and the code of conduct and the morals that were taught to me by my Republican parents do not reflect what the Republican Party stands for and what they vote on today. And I don't know how it happened, and it continues to get worse. You have all these little splinter groups of people breaking off of the GOP, and still sticking with the same guidelines, but at the same time creating this whole offshoot of lunacy, like the QAnon conspirators. You have them posting videos claiming that the snowstorms in Texas were fake and made by Bill Gates and other scientific researchers who created a metal compound or some sort of a chemical compound that was not real snow, and it would not melt when you put a lighter up to it. And if you put it in a microwave, it would create sparks and shoot off flames, claiming that there was there were metal pieces in the snow. Complete and total crackpot theories that these people come up with. Uh, not letting the whole Hillary Clinton emails go. Claiming that the election – was stolen that it was a fraudulent election that biden is an illegitimate president that trump is still president these people are nuts it goes further than just a political party this is very dangerous incredibly dangerous and it's eroding our society they have a platform on the internet online media allows everyone a free podium to speak from and the lies and misinformation and just outright insanity that's being spewed by these followers of Trump publicans—it's—I'm scratching my head. Everyone that is of my core group that I hang with, that I'm friends with, that I am live with—we're all like, is this an alternate reality? And so many Republicans are promoting these ideologies and these crackpot theories and posting them on their wall. The algorithms are all there on social media because things have deliberately been set up when you like certain things or share certain things. You only get that news source pumped to your newsfeed 24 7. And the same goes for liberals. You've got people so far left that I I can't even relate to what they're wanting to do because it's completely different from anything logical. And then you've got the algorithms of social media pumping lunacy into their direction. That way that's all they get is their side and what they believe 247. And there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground between the political parties. There's no middle ground between our neighbors, our family, our friends. The powers that be are brilliant. They have managed to get us to stop communicating and working out these problems and finding solutions and spend all of our time squabbling with each other like petulant morons. And now, a word from our sponsor. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile Talk Radio from TalkStream Live. now available in the iTunes App Store. A Japanese cult that believes its leader is an alien from Venus was speaking at CPAC last week. The lineup of the conservative political action conference last week included political heavyweights like former President Donald J. Trump, Cancun loving Senator Ted Cruz, and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. It also included The political head of a Japanese religious cult that promotes nationalism, xenophobia, and the belief that its leader is the reincarnation of an alien from Venus who created life on Earth millions of years ago. Last Friday afternoon at the Hyatt Regency Orlando, he was a prominent conservative Japanese speaker and addressed CPAC about the threat China poses to the U.S., Taking a prime spot on the lineup just after Donald Trump Jr. Now, this speaker is no stranger to CPAC. In fact, 2021 marked the 10th anniversary of his first visit to the Republican Love Fest. His speaker bio includes notes that he is the chairman of the Japanese Conservative Union, a right wing political organization, and that he helped found CPAC Japan which has been running for the last four years in Tokyo. What isn't mentioned is the central role he plays in a Japanese cult called Happy Science, whose leader believes that he is the Messiah and sells miracle cures for COVID-19. Happy Science is a Japanese cult run by a man who claims to be the incarnation of multiple gods while pretending to channel the psychic spirits and energy of anyone from Bashar al-Assad to Natalie Portman. Sarah Hightower, a researcher and expert in Japanese cults, relayed this to the news. While he has been a prominent member of the Happy Science cult from the beginning, he has worked over the past decade on building close ties with prominent U.S. conservative figures and creating Japan's Happiness Realization Party, HRP, the cult's political wing that focuses on uni- unilateralism, ultra Rationalism and increasing Japan's population by making child rearing easier for Japanese women In the 12 years since it was formed, the HRP has failed to get a single candidate elected to Japan's parliament But in recent years, under his leadership, the group has gained more political legitimacy back home by aligning itself with right-wing U.S. figures like Steve Bannon and Matt Scalp By giving him this platform, CPAC and the Republican Party are showing once again that it is willing to accept and embrace dangerous fringe movements like QAnon and the Falun Gong-backed Epoch Times, a pro-Trump newspaper that spreads disinformation and has become a firm favorite of the MAGA world. I get lots of really interesting messages, emails, and texts from people. This one is from Dave Grave, who through Facebook communicated with me. He said, you know what pisses me off about ghosts? It's all a bunch of effing games just to get your attention. Mischievous pieces of shit sapping up your life force. Worse is, if it ends up being demonic, even then it's usually effing amateur hour. I've been studying demonology for 20 years, and there's a recipe behind the behavior of these effing jerk-offs. First, they start off pretending to be children to get your attention, playing on your empathetic side. If you don't play that role, then they start moving and making things disappear. The eff- The effect, your emotions affect your memory, that affect your auditory and your visual. They'll split up the household to certain manifestations All the stupid effing things these things do that just ends up being annoying as F. If you study it long enough, you stop being scared and you start getting effing pissed. I get to a point now where I watch these ghost stories and I start laughing at the people who don't know how to deal with it because it's to me so obvious. I know that it makes me look like a prick, but I can't help it. I'm a Bill Burr fan. Yep, the same guy who will watch YouTube videos of people getting bit by poisonous snakes and making fun of them for effing with poisonous snakes. Sorry for the long rant. Continue with the YouTube channel. Your content is awesome. I appreciate that message from you, Dave Grave. And if you're listening to my podcast today, I'm saying hello to you. I also got a really awesome message uh, recording left uh, to me through my podcast uh, messaging system. I'll go ahead and play that for you now. Provoking and entertaining. New episodes bro, every Thursday, June your and show is crazy. I don't know if you can hear like it, but I'm literally listening right now. Yeah, I'm literally listening to it right now. It's pretty entertaining. A lot of paranormal stuff on there. So I really appreciate it, bro. Cause that's my kind of thing, man. I love diving into those topics. Um, I don't know if you'll find mine as interesting as I find yours, but I got a podcast too. So here's a promotion. This is the Cruise Control Podcast. My name is Chris Cruz. Thank you again and keep going. Why do people believe in conspiracy theories? It seems that every family has an Uncle Joe, the guy who goes on and on about conspiracy theories at the holiday dinner table. The 9-11 attack was orchestrated by the government. The moon landing was filmed in Hollywood. Lee Harvey Oswald... Did not act alone in the Kennedy assassination. And don't get me started on global warming. Record low temperatures this Christmas and you expect me to believe in a world that's actually getting warmer? Give me a break. Maybe we should just give Uncle Joe a break. Or at least try to understand where he's coming from. Why do some people believe in conspiracy theories anyway? This is exactly the question posed by British psychologist Karen Douglas and her colleagues in a recent article in the journal Current Directions and Psychological Science. The researchers found that the reason for believing in conspiracy theories can be grouped into three categories. Number one, the desire for understanding and certainty. Number two, the desire for control and security. And number three, the desire to maintain a positive self-image. They look at each of these three motives in turn. The desire for understanding and certainty, seeking explanations for events, is a natural human desire. We are constantly asking why things happen the way they do. Why does it have to rain the day I want to go out? Why did she give me the cold shoulder like that? Why can't you understand what I'm trying to tell you? And we don't just ask questions. We also quickly find answers to those questions. Not necessarily the true answers, but rather answers that comfort us or that fit into our worldview, or not necessarily a global view, because so many people that are conspiracy theorists have more of a local, if not regional view, and they believe that their local perspective and regional perspective affects the overall global perspective. The problem with that is you can't understand what I'm saying, because you're just not listening. We all harbor false beliefs, that is, things we believe to be true, but in fact are not. For example, if you believe Sydney is the capital of Australia, you are a victim of a false belief. But once you are confronted with the fact that Canberra is the capital of Australia, you'll readily change your mind. After all, you were simply misinformed and you're not emotionally invested in it. Conspiracy theories are also false beliefs by definition, but people who believe in them have a vested interest in maintaining them. First, they put some effort into understanding the conspiracy theory explanation for the event, whether by reading books, going to websites, or watching TV programs that support their beliefs. For example, Fox News. Uncertainty is an unpleasant state, and conspiracy theories provide a sense of understanding and certainty that is comforting to those. The desire for control and security is the second label. People need to feel they're in control of their lives. For instance, many people feel safer when they are the driver in the car rather than the passenger. Of course, even the best drivers can get into accidents ...for reasons beyond their control. Likewise, conspiracy theories can give their believers a sense of control and security. This is especially true when the alternative accounts feel threatening. For example, if global temperatures are, in fact, rising catastrophically due to human activity... ...then I'll have to make painful changes in my comfortable lifestyle... But if pundits and politicians assure me that global warming is a hoax, then I can maintain my current way of living. This kind of motivated reasoning is an important component in conspiracy theory beliefs. And the third example, the desire to maintain a positive self-image. Research shows that people who feel socially marginalized are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. We all have a desire to maintain a positive self-image which usually comes from the roles we play in life, that being our jobs, our relationships with family and friends. When we know we make a positive difference in the lives of others as parent, spouse, friend, teacher, or mentor, we see our own lives as worthwhile and we feel good about ourselves. But say Uncle Joe is on disability and hasn't worked for years. He feels socially excluded. However, he does have plenty of time to surf the internet for information about conspiracy theories. And he can chat online with others who hold similar beliefs. Thus, belief in conspiracy theories gives Uncle Joe a sense of community. Furthermore, his research in conspiracy theories has given him a sense that he is the holder of privileged knowledge. Most people who believe global warming is real or that vaccines are safe don't do so because they understand science. Rather, they trust the experts. And so when Uncle Joe starts trotting on out all the evidence against global warming, it can be difficult to make reasonable counter-arguments. All you've got is the feeling that the conspiracy theory seems too complicated to be true. But from Uncle Joe's perspective, it's clear he knows more about the subject than you do. In sum, we have a good understanding of what motivates people to believe in conspiracy theories. That is, they do so because of three basic needs. We all have to understand the world around us, to feel secure and in control, and to maintain a positive self-image. But do conspiracy theory beliefs actually help people satisfy these needs? Studies have found that when college students are exposed to conspiracy theories, they show an increased sense of insecurity This has led some researchers to conclude that conspiracy theory belief is self-defeating. However, as Douglas and her colleagues point out, most college students have little motivation to believe in conspiracy theories in the first place. What's really needed, they argue, are some carefully designed studies that directly examine those who already believe in conspiracy theories. Regardless of the outcome of these future studies, The real question for us now is how to deal with the Uncle Joe in our life. You may offer counter-evidence in an attempt to convince him to give up his conspiracy theories, but you're unlikely to succeed. This is because you are arguing facts while Uncle Joe is defending his sense of security and his positive feelings about himself. And for the rest of us, self-image trumps facts every time. And now a word from our sponsor. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed, that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available. And last spring, my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal.com at gmail.com that is parks paranormal at gmail.com standing by 10 things to know about the psychology of cults both terrifying and utterly fascinating cults have a tendency to capture the attention of just about everyone questions abound where do these people come from what are they really doing inside these secluded compounds most interesting perhaps are the psychological components of cult life Questions such as, who in the world would fall for that? In an effort to answer these questions and more, I've provided a list of 10 things to know about the psychology of cults. For starters, cults are attractive because they promote an illusion of comfort. Humans desire comfort, and in a fearful and uncertain world, many turn to cults because they tend to promote exactly what John Patrick Peterson, or psychologist at Caltech, has pointed out, that cult leaders often make promises that are totally unattainable but also offered by no other group in society such things might include financial security total health constant peace of mind and eternal life these things every human desires at the deepest level cults also satisfy the human desire for absolute answers today's world is a tough one with more abstract issues than there are issues that are Just black and white As Dr. Adrian Furham describes in Psychology Today Humans crave clarity Many people join cults because they believe They are being offered solid, absolute answers For questions such as good versus evil Religion, the meaning of life, politics, etc Many cult leaders promote messages that are simple And seem to make sense The exact opposite of what we're often provided With typical everyday life This screams the sociopathic behavior and tendencies of Donald Trump and his Kool-Aid drinking, madman cult crawling out from under the rocks, and pandering to the undereducated, poorly educated, easily duped, the list goes on. Those with low self-esteem are more likely to be persuaded by the cult environment, People are often surprised to learn that those who join cults are, for the most part, average people. They come from all backgrounds, all zip codes, all tax brackets, all races, colors. But research done in the past two decades has found an interesting pattern. Many people successfully recruited by cults are said to have low self-esteem. Cults generally do not look to recruit those with certain handicaps or clinical depression. However, people with low self-esteem are easier to break down than they are to build up in an effort to teach them that the cult is the supportive environment they are looking for. New recruits are love-bombed. Once people have been recruited by a cult, they are often what's referred to as love-bombed. You get this in a lot of of far-right evangelical churches. This odd phrase is commonly used to describe the ways in which someone with low self-esteem is consistently flattered, complimented, and seduced in order to train their brain to associate the cult with love and acceptance, like a family. Statistically, women are more likely than men to join a cult, but women are used as a way to seduce men into joining cults. According to the various research, uh, women make up a whopping 70% of cult members around the globe. Psychologists have different ideas about why more women than men join cults. Dr. David Bromley of Virginia Commonwealth University points out that women simply attend more social gatherings, either religious or otherwise. This makes women statistically more likely to join cults than will ultimately victimize them. Others suggest it has to do with the fact that women have been oppressed for much of human history. Therefore, they are more comfortable being under an authority figure and being told what to do and how to think. Still, others write this off as a total crock. Emma Klein, the author of the best-selling cult-themed novel, The Girls, theorizes that young women are often taught to seek the attention of men and to wait for rescue. Joining a cult, says Klein, is a way for many young women to feel as if they are seizing their destiny. Many cult members have rejected religion. Dr. Stanley H. Kath, a psychologist, and psychology professor at Tufts University has treated more than 60 former cult members over the course of his career. From this unique firsthand experience, Cath has noticed an interesting trend. Many people who join cults have experienced religion at some point in their lives and in the end have rejected it. Perhaps this is surprising considering many cults tend to be super religious or at least claim to be. But Dr. Cath asserts, that this trend is a sign of something deeper. Many of those who join cults are intelligent young people from sheltered environments. Growing up in such an environment, says Dr. Kath, often means that many have a history of failing to achieve intimacy, of blaming others for their failures, and of constantly striving for perfectionist goals. These characteristics make them prime targets for cult recruitment. Cults maintain their power by promoting an us-versus-them mentality. The current GOP, for example, has become a cult within itself. Cults prove powerful because they are able to successfully isolate members from their former non-cult lives. Scientology rings a bell. One of the ways cult leaders achieve this is to convince their followers that they are superior to those not in the cult. This is us-versus-them mentality ultimately leads to cult members isolating themselves socially from friends and family. They replace those relationships with new ones inside the cult. The Jehovah's Witnesses behave this way. Cult leaders are masters at mind control. Cult leaders convince their victims to separate themselves from society, give up personal possessions and sometimes huge sums of money. They convince people to buy into whatever they are promoting to do all this the cult leader must be a master at mind control ways in which leaders gain control over cult members vary but some popular methods include public humiliation new cult members may be love bombed shortly after their arrival but once they are established the cult leaders often maintain emotional control through various exercises meant to publicly humiliate a member One of such methods involves someone sitting in a chair surrounded by other members, at which time they are required to admit their recent failures, base thoughts, shortcomings, etc. Self-incrimination is another way. A favorite tactic of some infamous cult leaders, Jim Jones. Self-incrimination requires cult members to provide their leader with written statements detailing their individual fears and mistakes. The cult leader can then use these statements to shame individual members publicly. Donald Trump does this with his cabinet members And those that are a part of his committees and boards Brainwashing Cult leaders, it's another way that they maintain control Are known to repeat various lies and distortions Until members find it difficult to distinguish between reality and cult life Donald freaking Trump exhibits this behavioral trait And this tendency on an hour-to-hour basis If not minute-by-minute Paranoia is another means of control to maintain a false sense of comfort. Cults often rely on paranoia tactics. Cult leaders convince their victims that a group, their families, and or the government is out to get them, but that the cult can provide safety. Once a cult member comes to the conclusion that their families and country cannot keep them safe, they begin to worship and put all their faith in their cult leader. Jim Jones was especially skilled at this type of mind control trick. He would encourage members to spy on each other and consistently spoke through loudspeakers at all hours of the day so that cult members would hear his voice, whether awake or asleep. Cult members often have no idea they are even in a cult. Often it can be obvious to those around them, people in cults often don't realize that they have become a part of a cult. Psychologist Dr. Margaret Thaler Singer spent most of her career studying the psychology of cults and brainwashing. She found that most people enter a cult willingly without realizing the power that it has bound to have over them. Singer theorizes that it is partly because some people are more willing to see the perceived benefits than they are the potential dangers. She also mentions that many people assume cults are only religious Through uh, Though in truth, cults can also be political groups. The Republican Freakin' Party of 2020 is a prime example. It can also be lifestyle groups or business groups. Cult life can have a dangerous and lasting effect. Cult victims often spend years overcoming the emotional damage incurred during their time spent in a cult. Psychologists often treat former cult members routinely... Describe the long-term effect being in a cult environment can have on the human body. Dr. John G. Clark Jr. is a Harvard psychiatry professor and the co-founder of the nonprofit group which treats former members and their families from cult behavior. He specifically mentions that the symptoms of temp- the temporal lobe epilepsy are similar to those seen or reported as resulted from cult conversions. Increased irritability, loss of libido, or altered sexual interest, ritualism, compulsive attention to detail, mystic states, humorlessness, and sobriety, heightened paranoia, all connect to a cult-like mentality and those trying to overcome it. Well, thank you so much for listening this week. I had a lot to cover because we have a lot to think about as a society and a lot to watch out for a lot of researching to do on our own, and a lot of groups, organizations, and people to avoid and to expose. I'm Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking. I hope you have a great weekend. This is the end of the first full week of March, and St. Patrick's Day is upon us. So have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. And don't... Take my word for it. Do your own research. And definitely do not take the enemy's word for it because they are lying to you. This is Neil Parks, signing off. I'm going